Welcome to Kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in Indiana's prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on Kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before we get started with this week's theme, we want to share some prison-related news. In Tacoma, Washington, over 200 people detained at the now-infamous Northwest Detention Center, or NWDC, began a hunger strike and work stoppage on August 21st in response to the call for a national prison strike across the U.S. NWDC resistance organizers received calls from at least three pods confirming the strike, which is intended to last until September 9th. Organizers received a document listing the reasons and demands. The first part of the letter states, quote, We are taking part in a hunger strike nationwide demanding change and closure of these detention centers. We are acting with solidarity for all those people who are being detained wrongfully and stand together to help support all those women who have been separated from their children and to stop all the family separations happening today, for a lot of us are also being separated and we have U.S. citizen children, unquote. This is the third hunger strike in 2018 alone. Since 2014, there have been nearly 15 hunger strikes at NWDC, calling for humane detention conditions, access to justice, and an end to detentions and deportations. We are four days into the 2018 prison strike. It is no longer a national prison strike, since it has already spread to a prison in the Canadian province of Nova Scotia. With additional solidarity messages from Portugal, Germany, and inside Palestine prisons. In the U.S., hunger strikes are confirmed in Folsom Prison in California, multiple Arizona prisons, and among imprisoned immigrants inside the Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, Washington. Prison authorities have locked down dozens of facilities in New Mexico, Minnesota, South Carolina, and Florida in response to the strike activity and rumors are swirling that Ohio prison officials have dispatched riot control units to the Lucasville prison, famous for a multi-racial uprising 25 years ago. Prisoners at Hyde Correctional Institution in North Carolina demonstrated late last week calling for improved food and declaring that they were in solidarity with prisoners across the country. Prisoners across Alabama, the cradle of the 2016 prisoners movement, are protesting. Prominent prisoner voices from Sadiq Hassan in Ohio to Kevin Rashid Johnson in Virginia have been preemptively thrown in the hole. Despite the repression inside Ohio prisons, a hunger strike is confirmed inside Toledo Correctional Institution. Solidarity actions on the outside have spread across the continent, with sometimes rowdy noise demonstrations in Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Lansing, Brooklyn, Portland, Los Angeles, Corona, San Jose, Phoenix, San Antonio, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Boston, and Cambridge, among other cities. Disruption of normal business in solidarity with the strike occurred in Jackson, Mississippi, and in Iowa, where the Democratic Socialists of America disrupted a business that sells prisoner-made commodities. In Indiana alone, solidarity banners have been hung in Bloomington, Lafayette, and Evansville, while a noise demo is planned for Saturday, August 25th, in Michigan City. A noise demo is also planned for Saturday outside the Lee Correctional Institution in South Carolina. The same facility where administrative negligence in April led to the deaths of seven prisoners, causing jailhouse lawyers speak to call the prison strike. 
We shall share information on the strike as it comes in, along with phone zaps, also known as call-in campaign. The Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee is also maintaining an active list at incarceratedworkers.org slash phone dash zaps. This week, we're sharing selections from a historic interview with George Jackson, whose assassination on August 21st, 1971, at the hands of San Quentin prison guards, remains a reference point for the U.S. prisoners' movement. Indeed, jailhouse lawyers speak called for the 2018 strike to begin on this date in his memory. George Jackson spent much of his life in prison after stealing $70 from a gas station at the age of 18 and being sentenced to one year to life behind bars. Jackson spent the next 11 years in the California prison system, where he became a revolutionary, intellectual, and an inspiration to his fellow prisoners. As the prison strike enters its fourth day, and word from the rebelling prisoners inside trickles out to us, it's vital to hear George Jackson's actual voice, as it continues to resonate now in the mass actions of prisoners in dozens of U.S. states and Canadian provinces. Here he is. I think the principal point behind the prison movement is uh, to prove to the establishment that uh, concentration camp technique, the reversion to a second dimension of uh, fascism, the terrorist face. But to prove that uh, this terrorism won't work on us, it won't stop our movement. That uh, nothing, actually short of death, is going to stop our movement. It's progress to the point now where the, the courts are they're in a position where they're not pressured into uh, giving us some sort of appeasement. And uh, that, of course, catches the prison personnel, uh, staff, uh, the pigs here up in uh, Cross. They have no way at all whatsoever now to protect themselves except through sheer, brutal, open terror. They feel, the pigs feel the comrades have lost their, uh, their uh, reservation, their hold. I'm talking about the whole state. I'm talking about throughout the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've heard about the, the intentions of strike. Yeah, the intentions of strike, uh, asthma, increased weight, what do you call it, the hazard pay. Prison pigs up in a cross. They know that the courts are in a mood now to appease. They also know that uh, yeah, the comrades don't fear the courts any longer. That forces them mm-hmm. to revert to uh, terrorism, not, not terrorism. Just uh, two days ago, they beat one black almost to death in the hospital. Our opinion is that uh, the reason we haven't been able to uh, move forward is because you know left-wing factions can't you know unite. They just haven't been able to unite here in this country or very few other countries. And we've been hoping that on our substructural level, the substructural level of the prison movement, we could uh, possibly provide an example. Well, the rest of the movement, and because the oppression of the, let's say, the need to unite in our particular substructural level is overt, clear. Mm-hmm. We're faced with overt, clear terrorism, oppression. We have been hoping that uh, we could, you know, first through the van, you know, leadership of the Vanguard Party, we could first uh, involve the community, show the community that uh, the differences. Uh, that uh, the National Advertising Council has convinced us that uh, our present really are illusion. We want to convince them that the, you know, in the community that uh, the differences are illusion. Of course, we run into some snags. 
the snags uh, being, as far as I'm concerned, being a part of the press mentality in general. The things I've noticed, the problems I've noticed, generally center around the fact that the people don't quite understand what democratic centralism is. They seem to, uh, now, our ideal is to project ourselves into the future, of course, but uh, at the same time, we have to realize that uh, we have to realize, we have to understand that uh, we're not quite all capable of. Uh, well, our opinions are equal, and we have to have some sort of centralism. Uh-huh. Our preference, our preference, of course, is democratic centralism. You know? and people don't understand that that's a necessity at this stage. That's what we're working towards is a. Uh, the point where uh, all opinions will be equal, all men equal. But right now we have to have uh, the guidance and uh, the purposeful uh, uh, leadership of a, of, a, of a vanguard party. Uh, like Lenin says, uh, Central Committee, you know, General Staff of the People's Party. How do you think, how do you think that kind of vanguard party uh, can be developed, or do you think that it has been developed in the Black Panther Party? I'm from Black Panther, of course. Vanguard party. I'm with the Black Panther Party. Do you think that the Black Panther Party is a vanguard party for just the black community and the white community? No, no, no. I believe uh, pretty soon uh, all those questions, uh, as far as I'm concerned, will be cleared up. Uh, the party, the paper is going to run a uh, series of uh, articles where I discuss uh, the nature of fascism in general, and in particular, towards the end, the form that it took here in the United States. One of my principal beliefs is that um, the fact that we're the most oppressed class, most oppressed segment of, uh, of society, the, the fact that we're at the bottom of the pyramid, I feel that uh, our job is, uh, is to begin the process. Once the process begun, once we provided the example, it's my hope or our hope that uh, the intercommunal ideal will spread from our community to yours, the other community. If you if you uh, uh, consider the Pokemon theory, if you consider the Pokemon theory, if you go back and consider it, you see that uh, the idea is is, is uh, the idea incorporates two separate uh, uh, thrusts: a political and military thrust. The focal motor, the uh, uh, the initiative, the the push, the motor of the of the revolution has to be backed by a political force. You see, when the man steps out, and then and, you know, uh, and uh, with the idea of providing example, and there's no one in the background to fill in for, to build dual power, you need to rebuild the, the people's world as he destroys it. Where are you at? He left with nothing. Uh, the old CP attacks uh, the weathermen for being kind of revolutionary, and the, the basis for their attack, I think, is a uh, is altogether. Uh, Incorrect. Real. The real reason why they can't be and aren't more effective is that uh, they have no organs for uh, 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 political activity. They have no political outlet. The point is, wow, destroying the opposition or the establishment's capacity to produce. At that same time, it's supposed to be also revealing the people's work. Uh-huh. That's the political. Political people's job. I, I'm certain, positive that we haven't gone beyond the point where the 
uh, revolution no longer in this country uh, uh, is uh, separated from the economic motive. Man. Average white collar worker uh, sees only a short term, an average blue collar worker sees only a short term interest. I understand that, but uh, I believe the political point would be to make him see that uh, there is still a very clear and present economic motive uh, for revolt, revolution in this country. I think that any type of uh, practice, any type of uh, mass action is uh, productive because uh, remember we were speaking of changing attitudes, uh, we were speaking of uh, objective and subjective conditions. Uh, uh, the fastest way to change any conditions that aren't correct, I believe, is with uh, trauma. <laughs> Keep them in the uproar. You, you keep things uh, disrupted. And uh, let, that, let that be the normal state of things disruption. You know? yeah. So I subscribe to all forms of disruption. <laughs> <laughs> I support. I support, personally, I support all forms of disruption. <laughs> but, uh, um, but not at the same time. Don't, don't, don't uh, get the mistaken idea that uh, I'm also subscribing to apolitical apolitical actions or apolitical activities, activities that don't have a clear-cut political purpose, that, that aren't working within a clear-cut political matrix. But, I, but really, in my, in my wildest imagination, I, I can't see how any type of disruption in this country wouldn't fall within a, a purposeful political matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my politics, of course, is a... Uh, well, politics, of course, is a combination of Mao Think and uh, uh, Gaveris. Guevara think the two-stage revolution, and then, uh, of course, the focal motor thing. I mean, I'm talking about Mao's theory of revolution in two stages, making the necessary alliances at first uh, with uh, any groups or any segment of society that's in opposition to or that's being exploited by the principal uh, enemies. I'm talking about the men who have placed themselves at the center and above society, uh, the fascist manipulators. Um, first, uh, pulling these people together, in some cases with, uh, you know, using the loyalty, using the loyalty instinct. In other cases, uh, pointing out the uh, similarities in our conditions, uh, reaching for the entente, reaching for the uh, uh, reconciliation. That's what, that's, what I, that's what I think of in terms of mass action. Uh, but uh, following the mass action, Following mass action and the destruction of, uh, of the unrighteous, the second stage, of course, would be the socialization stage. I don't think we should worry right now that all of the people that we're allied with be uh, strict Marxist limits, just so that they're loyal to revolution. Uh, in, re in reading Mao, you see that everywhere he can, he's absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. In some places, even the what the Campador bourgeois and points all the way to almost to suicide. Almost he was compromising with the Campador bourgeoisie and the national bourgeoisie in China. I'm not saying that we do the same thing, but uh, that's what uh, basically that's what Comrade uh, Huey Newton was uh, saying in his article. Really, you know, his article <coughs> relating to black capitalism. Mm -hmm. Everybody, of course, that misunderstood that have not read Mao Zedong's theory of a revolution in two stages. 
the articles that the comrade's been been uh, putting out in the paper, and he, you know, he's been putting forward for us to try to try to relate to and understand the principal intent. The principal intent is to isolate targets of revolution. That's, that's, that's his intent. That's his whole intent right now. To isolate the targets of the revolution from the forces of the revolution. Mm -hmm. So, in this understanding that of uh, black capitalism, uh, I mean, it's almost to miss the whole, uh, the whole uh, technique behind our, our thrust. We're trying to isolate, isolate the real targets of the revolution. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, gather the forces. The term vanguard implies an attempt, an attempt, an attempt to uh, get out in front and pull the people into the proper channel. Right, dude. Uh, when that attempt fails, all we can do is attempt again, try again, try again. You can't accuse uh, uh, any members of the uh, uh, policy-making body, I don't uh, think, uh, uh, anything like that. What, they, what, they, what, they, what we're trying to do now is get ourselves together. Another problem that we as blacks have the idea of uh, of just what is disciplined behavior, what is disciplined behavior, and what is uh, uh, authoritarian behavior. The average black uh, will uh, well, he's repelled by the idea of discipline. I'm talking about the ones in the movement now. I'm talking about the uh, uh, conscious brothers. They find it hard to discipline themselves and, and, and relate to. Uh, the fact that structure has to exist for anything uh, uh, purposeful to go forward. Uh, the, the two things are wrapped up right there together. Um, in, a, in a woman question, the way things are going to usually generally end up is that uh, some man will be heading the cell. And the contradiction will start right there. But uh, the two questions are wrapped up. The, the question of discipline, the need for discipline in order to uh, move forward with the real purpose and then uh, the question of how did and why did uh, the, the male end up in that position of uh, trust, the position of power, or the, the, the position where where he was, uh, where, he, where he is uh, uh, getting orders. It's a, it's, it's a complicated, heavy thing. But uh, I think that we're going to have to learn to uh, reconcile ourselves with the fact that uh, from the smallest units, from the smallest cells on up, we're going to have to relate man, woman, as equals. And it won't be easy. It's got to, it's got to work itself out. But the only way it can really work itself out, I'm convinced. And uh, I sure hope nobody mistakes this as uh, male chauvinism of any type. But I think the only way it's, it's probably going to be resolved is that women become more aggressive. And I'm not talking about aggressive in the sense of, of being counterproductive man, and disrupting. I'm talking about the, uh, coming up with uh, a valid, valid criticism and valid ideas and valid contributions. Our, our, our ideal at first was to involve, uh, of course, the order came down to involve the community as much as possible, to give the community the responsibility that uh, we felt would help them involve would help involve them in the uh, uh, anti-establishment activities. 
the idea was to uh, introduce them through our little substructural, little substructural movement. The idea was to introduce them to uh, uh, any establishment in general. Um, on the supposition that later on, as things progressed, they would move logically into higher levels of any establishment. You dig what I'm saying? You found yeah, that's what did happen. <laughs> well, it broke down. It didn't work. Yeah, I was, I mean, it didn't I work. Well, the reason it didn't work, well, we know why it didn't work. The reason it didn't work is because of uh, a lack of understanding of uh, of, of uh, democratic centralism. See, uh, we we right in our midst, we we started uh, drawing people who we consider and who were definitely opportunists and. Uh, than others who were anarchists. And nothing can be done with uh, uh, opportunists or anarchistic behavior. Uh, uh, the ideal of a, of, a, of a committee where everybody is doing their own thing mm-hmm. is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, behind the idea, out from the outset, we should have uh, clarified, from the outset, behind the whole project, uh, we should let it be known that uh, we were working under the discipline of, uh, <coughs> of the Black Panther Party, uh, of, you know, the Vanguard Party. And that's, that's the, the most recent move has been to correct that uh, mistake right there. Uh, of late, we published a de- declaration and uh, sent out notices to all the committees that uh, from this point forward, they can't operate but they have to operate under the guidance and under the review of the uh, Central Committee for Black Panther Party. That's the only way, the only possible way for the centralizing, uh, ordering effect to reach down you know, to the grassroots level. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm certain that from now on we'll go forward. Our particular defense there in uh, that courtroom isn't as important as the ideal of setting up uh, projects to keep this sort of thing from happening. Right. I'm talking about the survival programs, our infrastructure in the black community. Activity going on around our case, I felt, right from the beginning, would be uh, more productive if they, if, 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 if they were channeled into uh, our, our principal survival programs. I felt that I could be represented best as a as an individual who stood for the survival of the community, who is always going to stand for the survival of the community. I have a lawyer who's very competent in that particular area. I let him deal with the holding the fascists off, um, stopping the gunfire, keeping them from murdering me. Well, uh, there are those who, those who feel, and I'm among them, that it's probably real important that you get out. Um, with your ideas and these ideas be able to be presented to the community, uh, and, I, and a lot of people don't see that as a contradiction to doing political work and, and building the survival programs and other programs. Uh, In other words, you're saying that there's a possibility of me um, martyring myself if I don't concentrate more on the legal aspect of the case. Is that what you're saying? Well, if if it's to our interest and it's to my interest. You did to let the people know that I stand for, and always will stand for, their survival. And I think the best way to get that across is to, uh, in one or two places where the party has a 
the community pretty well uh, organized to uh, yeah, let them know that uh, that the uh, yeah, funds from uh, raised from uh, uh, yeah, our particular efforts went into the construction of this particular uh, cottage industry or this particular clinic. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the final uh, explosion, when it comes to the point of uh, whether or not I'm going to survive or whether or not I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm not depending on I'm not depending on them to surround San Quentin and snatch me out of here. I'm depending on uh, the vocal motor. See? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, we need to say anything else. It really pains me to be misrepresented. I feel that I haven't been misrepresented in support uh, in, uh, in areas where uh, people were carrying on uh, uh, the little button wars and uh, pamphlet wars and uh, counterproductive activity in general. Pie sales and so forth like that. All right, all those things are good. And if we're going to have a raffle, let's raffle shotguns. I don't want to seem this overtly critical of the weatherman because uh, I dig him. Uh, and we're not going to compete over who in the vanguard party. That's not the point. But the point is, is uh, right now is uh, unconditional freeing of the people, liberation, and how we can build uh, uh, the day we talked about a while ago. Uh, I'd like to offer this as, I'd like to offer this as, uh, as a possibility. It is a possibility that uh, Bernadine and uh, the rest of the people involved and the weathermen see the focal motor theory in a much broader sense than we see it. See, we're relating to it as it relates to us in our particular condition. We say the objective conditions are in the black community for a revolution today, that uh, all that's missing here and there are a few of the subjective. The objective conditions are there. The subjective conditions are missing here and there. And uh, we're moving forward on that with our programs and with, uh, with uh, our movement. And by movement, I mean uh, the shootout on Central, August 7th and all attempts to, and all actual, on all actual uh, efforts made to uh, put the fascists to death. We end this episode with selections from a statement given by Huey P. Newton at the memorial service for George Jackson. He says, quote, George was a legendary figure all through the prison system, where he spent most of his life. You know a legendary figure is known to most people through the idea, or through the concept, or essentially through the spirit. So, I met George through the spirit. I say that the legendary figure is also a hero. He set a standard for prisoners, political prisoners, for people. He showed the love, the strength, the revolutionary fervor that's characteristic of any soldier for the people. So we know that spiritual things can only manifest themselves in some physical act, through a physical mechanism. I saw prisoners who knew about this legendary figure act in such a way, putting his ideas to life, so therefore the spirit became a life. And I would like to say today, George's body has fallen, but his spirit goes on, because his ideas live. And we will see that these ideas stay alive, because they'll be manifested in our bodies and those young panther bodies, who are our children. So, it's a true saying that there will be a revolution from one generation to the next. What kind of standard did George Jackson set? First, he was a strong man. He was determined, full of love, strength, dedication to the people's cause, without fear. He lived the life that we must praise. It was a life, no matter how he was oppressed, no matter how wrongly he was done, he still kept the love for the people. 
and this is why he felt no pain in giving up his life for the people's cause. The state sets the stage for the kind of contradiction or violence that occurs in the world, that occurs in prisons. The ruling circle of the United States has terrorized the world. The state has the audacity to say that they have the right to kill. They say they have a death penalty and that it's legal. But I say by the laws of nature that no death penalty can be legal. It's only cold-blooded murder. It gives spur to all sorts of violence because every man has a contract with himself that he must keep himself alive at all costs. They have the audacity to say that people should deliver a life to them without a struggle, but none of us can accept that. George Jackson had every right, every right, to do everything possible to preserve his life and the life of his comrades, the life of the people. George Jackson, even after his death, you see, is going on living in a very real way. Because, after all, the greatest thing that we have is the idea and our spirit, because it can be passed on. Not in the superstitious sense, but in the sense that when we say something, or we live a certain way, then when this can be passed on to another person, then life goes on. And that person somehow lives, because the standard that he set and the standard that he lived by will go on living. Even with George's last statement, his last statement to me, at San Quentin that day, that terrible day, he left a standard for political prisoners. He left a standard for the prisoner society of racist, reactionary America. Surely, he left a standard for the liberation armies of the world. He showed us how to act. This has been KiteLine. Anyone affected by the prison system in any form is welcome to write us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. We are not responsible for all views expressed on the program. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the views expressed on the show. Join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our communities. Thank you for listening.